kind of like that. Mm -hmm. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another week of Living a Rich Life, Home Edition. I'm your host, Rich James. And today's uh, Rich Life uh, recent events, it's raining. <laughs> we're going to keep it simple today. Had a little technical difficulty, but we're going to get this show started. Um, here at Living a Rich Life Talk Show, we intend to inform, inspire, and remind each other of the importance of living a rich life. And we do that through six principles, good health, strong relationships, financial freedom, goals and achievement, extraordinary experiences, and philanthropy. Today, we have a great lineup that's going to focus on the principle of extraordinary experiences. Our special guests will have you feeling great after you leave his business. And our featured guest is known for providing extraordinary experiences in the realm of hospitality. With that being said, let's talk about it. So today, our special guest, uh, this brother, this king, this man, he is a talented and determined and somewhat funny gentleman when you visit his <laughs> barbershop. Uh, please welcome master barber and entrepreneur, Mr. Derek Coe. Now, did yeah, I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, you did, Coe. You got it right. You got it right. How y'all okay. doing, man? All right. Well, thanks for joining, Derek. Um, one of the things, because I know you have a, a son and you say the, the Coe boys and all this other kid stuff, I, I love that hashtag. So first and foremost, keep that up. Thank you. Thank you. That's, that's my guy, man. We got it. We got to protect our young men, man. That's the first and foremost. We we losing them left and right, and I refuse to let my young guy get come be a victim to the streets. And I, being a barber, I get the, I get a chance to I get a chance to speak to a lot of the young guys. So I try to kick as much knowledge as I possibly can, you know. Okay. Because I like I like that. I, I like you know. What? I got to say, you're one of my first guests that get right into it. I I, I love it because sometimes they they kind of get a feel of what's going on but we're going right for the jugular and, and that was one of my things that um actually was a question that someone posed out there in terms of you know do you get exposed to a lot of young men and what kind of feedback do you get it but we so we're going to definitely get into that um but first and foremost let's tell the folks that's watching and that's listening now live as well as those that'll be watching tell us uh tell us where you're from i'm from baltimore man i've been born and raised here northeast two one two three nine that's where I've been born and raised, so okay. I love it. It's my home. And, and and how did you know you wanted to be a business owner? Um, you know, did that just automatically? At what age did that start in your thoughts in terms of being a business owner? Well, it started the. I actually wanted to be like all most young men, a professional sports player, but it started when I was twelve. My mom, she couldn't get get my hair cut like I wanted often as I wanted. So I figure if you buy me the tools, I'll figure it out. So wow. around 17, you know, I was cutting around 17. That's when I got serious with it. And then I got a job at Burger King. And working at Burger King let me know that I didn't want to work for anyone. Telling me here, go do this, take the trash out, come here, do this. I knew I wanted to be able to come when I wanted, go when I wanted. I wanted to be in control of my income because working for someone, they pretty much control 
at least eight to 10 hours of your day and how much money you make. So no matter how hard you work, they're controlling how much you eat. So you have to be here at eight and you have to be leave at nine. You know what I mean? And you, this is your job. And at the end of the day, we're going to pay you this. Oh, no, so, you didn't want that. So, so it started at 12. You wanted to get your head. So like I said, one of the things we like to focus on is inspiring others. And, and I got to say right off the bat, that's, that's a very uh, inspiring story. Started at 12. You wanted your yep. hair cut a little more than normal. 17, mm-hmm. got a job at Burger King and was like, oh, hell with this. You want me to do all this and I can't really have no control of my hours and what I make. And then said, hey, I'm going to become a, a master barber. Now, I know some of your story, for those that's watching and listening, once again, um, give us a little more on that, right? Because now your shop owner is one of your, your, your ventures. But before that, you were working in other shops, right? So tell us what that journey looked like. See, well, actually, I haven't. This is the the good thing is I haven't been in another shop. I bought this barbershop I started. So I kind of mm-hmm. have the Calvin store, you know, Calvin manager now, the McDonald's store. Yeah. So like, uh, at 17, um, I knew I wanted to work in a barbershop because it was something I like to do. And, if, and it, you know, I, I was real passionate about cutting hair. And I actually went to Merville High School. So we had to trade electronics and I was on work study and I was going, uh, I think the co- the company was called Procter and Gamble. Okay. If they're still around, I think that's what it was. Um, I had a work study job with them. They were going to pay me like eight or $9 an hour. And back in 1999, that was a lot of money for a high school kid. Right. So I found, I was calling around the barber, uh, barber schools to see how much they cost, and that was way out of my league. So I found um, Frank Wilson. Shout out to Frank Wilson. He is the one who gave me a shot and believed in me. So my whole barbering career started with Frank Wilson. So I definitely, Frank Wilson is a detailer. I definitely have to give him, as a young black man, giving me a shot. I, I, I got to thank him. Okay. So I called him and he said, they get it, do a haircut. So he liked the haircut that I did. So the funny thing is, I went to work one day with Procter and Gamble. It wasn't a bad job, but then I worked one Saturday in the barbershop. <laughs> that one Saturday in the barbershop, I made $300. I got there at 11 and I left it like, 4.30. Frank said, huh, just give me this percent and you can keep the rest. My ears and my hands and my eyes puckered up like, wait, I, I get to keep this? He said, yeah, that's yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went back to school one day and called Proctor Gamble and told them I appreciate everything, the opportunity, but uh, I will not be accepting this job. And I've been a barber ever since. I like the fact that you get cash on hand every day. Right, right. Yeah, that, so, that's facts. <clears throat> as a young man, not having to wait two weeks or a week, and I can just make money every day. And at 17, I'm still living 
with my mom, so I don't have any bills. Right. Man, I was I was fresh to death every day in school, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's 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 funny. I, I I appreciate that. Definitely an inspiring uh story, and that's that, I, that's something I didn't know. I mean, I knew that you were, were there. You've always been there. You started as a, a, you know just working there, and then mm -hmm. you now eventually um own the own the shop. But you changed the name and tell us the name of the of the shop. The name is 3D Styles. And okay. I came up with the name 3D Styles from my name, my dad's name is Derek. My name is Derek and my son's name is Derek. So there's for the definition 3D styles. But you can also spin it to where as though you know I shape up so sharp they look high definition, they just jump out at you. <laughs> Oh, oh, by the way, let's take a look at mine, folks. Because I, I did, I did get my haircut today at 3D Styles um, by uh, Mr. Cole himself. So, yes, yes, sir. As you can see, he's he's pretty far back. You can see the line is sharp. Looking real <laughs> E Harvey-ish right now, bro. <laughs> uh, that must be the younger Harvey because he ain't got no hair. <laughs> uh, so, so let's let's keep this going on. Um, one of the things that um, so you've mentioned real men go to real barbers on your website. Tell us what inspired you um, to make that statement. What's that statement mean, mean to you? Well, when I say real men go to real barbers, I'm 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 first recept, you know, referring to licensed barbers. Okay. Because you have a lot of people who go are cut hair and are good at it, but they're not licensed. And I'm also talking about, you know, people, the barbers who care about their craft. You know what I mean? Not just come in, cut your hair, take your money, and, and you go. Yeah. You know, it's more to barbering than just cutting hair. You, it's different textures of hair. You have scalp treatment. You, 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 you have, like, ingrown hairs. You know, you need to know all of that. So it's more to the, it's right. It's more to this coming in and getting the hair cut and go. As far as conversations to everything, man. You, the barbershop should be experienced. Mm -hmm. An extraordinary experience. Extraordinary experience, and that's pretty much what we try to give you at the at three D Styles. Because when you come in, one, you're greeted by a, a friendly atmosphere. You know, you're welcome. Every everyone's welcome, no matter the ethnicity at all, what color, whatever, it doesn't matter. Two, some like from the office, the services, like you come in, you can you get a fresh hair wash, a hot face towel, you know, just come get a real experience of not just hair cut and go, because it's not about the money with us. It's you know, it's about it's it's about the experience. We don't want you to come get your hair cut and leave and never come again. Right, right. So let's talk about let, let's talk about that experience, that, that experience piece, right? So I, I know again for those watching and listening, um, we are talking about extraordinary experiences with Mr. Derek Coe, owner of 3D Styles Barbershop on York Road, gives a, a, a wonderful experience. Um, so let's talk about some of your services that you do. I, I, I've experienced them from you know the the washing, the hair. Um, to and I had no ingrown, thank goodness. Um, but just <laughs> in, in terms of some of the services, what are some of those services that services that you provide um, that folks can expect to see when they come to 3D Styles? First and foremost, you're going to definitely come in 
a clean atmosphere. Everything will be sterilized, wiped down after every client. Face and this is before, and this is before. I want to. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want folks to know this is before even COVID nineteen. Everything was always looking clean up in there. I, I have to say that. So I'm, I'm sorry, Derek, but I want to make sure they understand that before COVID, it was clean. But get clean atmosphere. Clean atmosphere. Every customer you can, when you come in, we we actually recommend that you get your hair hair washed. Me personally, I you have to get your hair washed to come into my chair because one, I like to wash your hair before you before you get your hair hair cut because it's clean. You know. If I if you if I make sure your hair your hair is clean and I my clippers is clean, we shouldn't have any issues where so you have nasty bumps on your neck to mm-hmm. raise the bumps around the you know the ears and the shape up line. You come in, you can get the hot steam face. We offer facials, the steam towels, whatever you need, any kind of haircut you need. So what's that? Mohawk, strap fade. Do it all. Like, Oh, man, I'm sorry. Uh, it's thunder and lightning is going crazy out here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. We 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 gonna keep pushing through it though. That's why we endorse. Yeah, the, um, but yeah, you get an overall experience just coming to the barbershop to any type of conversations, to laughter, to joking, to everything, man. Just, just come check us out, man. Okay, it's, it's a great experience. So so let's let's let me let me uh, ask you this question here. So I understand um, that the mayor, Mayor Jack, he had came and, and patronized your business. Um, what, what was that? What was that feeling like for him to come down into your shop, uh, an elected official, come in and visit? I mean, I understand Mayor Jack Young doesn't have any hair, so what, what, what service? Yeah, did he get? Um, yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty cool, man. The funny thing is, he's actually a down to earth guy. He's a down to earth guy. He was cracking jokes and. He didn't come with an entourage. I was, you know what I mean? I thought, you know, we were gonna have to clear the shop and make sure two people were in there and mm-hmm. pat everybody down. But now nah, he was down to earth. He came with uh I wanna say three people. Uh two of the guys were on uh, holding the camera in the video they were shooting. Other that, he was cool, talked to us. He was a real down to earth guy. Um, but Catherine Pugh. She used to patron in the shop as well. But before before COVID, Brandon Scott was scheduled to come in and talk with the guy. He's actually an alumni of mine. Ah, okay. Yes, yes, he's an alumni of mine. I'm two years ahead of him. Yes, I think I graduated the class of 2000 at Merville. He came out, I'm going to say 2002. So, so it seems like you got a, a a nice little little theme, you know. The the, the mayors just seem to want to come to the shop and, and wish you well. Is that kind of the the aspects you're seeing there? It, because well, I mean, it's it's my it's my personality, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's like a magnet, man. It, it's just gotta come to me. It's like no, but then it's, it's through the you know the clients that we have at the barbershop. We we have everyone. Every type of client, from politicians to sports players, like if you could come in, we have local rappers that come into. It's all types of kids, grandparents. Mm-hmm. It's just an overall great atmosphere. You feel safe if you wanted 
to drop your kid off. He's a, of age. And you want to run to the store. When you come back, you can feel comfortable with that. You know, right. not too many shops. You will feel comfortable with dropping your kid off and running to grab a few groceries while you get his haircut and come back. Kind of like yeah. the community, kind of like a community. So it's, it's kind of just good, good setting, good settings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we've, been, we've been, I've been owning a shop for four years now, but the shop has been there since 92. So, okay. yeah. So um, it's like, it's like, uh, like a, steeple in the community man we've been there everybody knows that that shop is there exactly okay so someone wants to know so tell us what what tell us what your pet peeve is and what makes a barber mediocre in your opinion so first <laughs> two sound like it's two questions there pet peeve okay. do you have any pet <laughs> peeves okay so my pet peeve when it comes to like type of hair my pet peeve Okay, this is I, I my biggest pet peeve is when the client looks in the mirror the entire haircut. The entire haircut. If you turn him one way, his head stays the other way. Like keep your you know head you know where he doesn't stop looking. And then when you finish cutting his hair and give him the mirror. He takes another 30 minutes checking out each and every detail like you didn't do that the whole 30 minutes I was cutting your hair. You know, that's not me because I'll be like, yo, wake me up when you finish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, you are definitely sitting in a chair. You say you do this, this and this and it's good night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so what but what makes a barber mediocre? Right. So you have a, a lot of wonderful services in terms of experience. Um, what makes a barber mediocre in your opinion? To me, right now in the barber industry, it's a lot of enhancements going on. You see a lot of the Beijing and the haircuts that just look perfect. Oh man, that makes me, that, that, that doesn't really show barber skill. Right. Because if you go home and you wash your face, you give yourself a good face wash or hand wash, your whole haircut is gone. Right. Facts. So what it is, is you're you're a good artist. Mm. A painter. Okay. Now not not saying enhancements are bad or anything, but that's what exactly what it's called. It's called enhancement. Some of the some of it just looks not real to me. You know, you don't get the real barbershop crisp look. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have any hidden talents that we, 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 we should know about Derek, other than being a master barber? Um, me, uh, yeah, I, I'm a very good, <laughs> not, it's not, it's not a I trick like question. <laughs> I like to play softball and bowling. Okay. I'm very good. I'm very good at that. Like I'm, I, I want to say. I'm not humble at all when I get on the bowling lanes and on the softball field. Okay. Well, one so of those are my softball two. and bowling. Okay. I, I think I, I think I knew the softball, the, the bowling, not so much. So you already know what that means. I, I generally like to, to get with my guests at some point, all my guests that have been on the show at some point, we've engaged with each other outside 
um, whether from a business perspective or a personal get together. So it's, it sounds like you and I need to get together and, and I'm gonna have to join you go bowling. I ain't saying I'm the greatest, but um, I can definitely sit and, and have some drinks. <laughs> oh, okay, that's cool. Now, I hope you have your own equipment because if you don't have <laughs> your equipment, you have no chance at all. Oh, goodness. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So just for those watching again, we have uh, Mr. Derek Cole. Um, we're talking about extraordinary experiences. He is the owner of 3D Styles Barbershop on York Road. And um, clearly, uh, this is something I get lots of time, him just talking, talking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets a little, gets a little worse in the barbershop. A absolutely. But again, it's, 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 a, it's a good experience. So let's, I'm gonna ask some other questions here that yes, put sir. together by the team. Um, so, what are three most the three must-have items that you have to have at all times besides a cell phone? The three must-have items besides a cell phone. Not, yeah, nothing's off limits, by the way. Okay, now I'm going to keep this regular and PG for the radio. <laughs> so I need to have my car keys. Okay. I need to have some form of money, whether it's cash or credit. Okay. The card. And I already and, know what the third I already know what the third thing is. <laughs> uh I'm gonna say some uh some food. Food, food? Okay. okay. So during this quarantine, what did you think the third one was going to be? Okay. All right. Now, so you know we was on quarantine for a while. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the pandemic. We still have a few things happening now. They did open up. How does it feel um, when it was finally identified that barbers are essential? Uh, it, it feels good to be essential, but at first. We were not essential at all. We were shut down for, my barber shop was shut down for two months, two and a half months, until people started realizing that they looked terrible. <laughs> looked terrible. But to be essential, that's a, it, it's really a good feeling to be essential because it's like you feel like you're needed. That's the thing about barbers, like, and beauticians, and like, we, when you leave the shop, you have that sense of confidence. No matter, you could come in the barbershop feeling a little, you know, just having a bad day. But once you get a, a really good haircut, and then you look at yourself, it don't matter how bad of your day. Right. For that five seconds, or that however long it takes you to walk to your car. And then when you get in the car, I know everyone flips that mirror down and looks at it and say, damn, I look good, brother. <laughs> so for that couple of days, you know, we we, we give you a, a brief moment of, of relief from uh, that bad, you know? We give right. you that confidence, you know? Uh, absolutely. And, and I'm gonna go out on the limb here to say, one of the things I enjoy when I, I get out of Derek's chair, he says to me, um, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you that cut, but I can't do nothing about that face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
yeah, yeah. You wasn't expecting that. I, I gotta say though, I'm, I'm always pleased. I'm always pleased with my cut when I leave 3D Styles, and uh, I definitely, I definitely appreciate your service. Um, yes. Sir. All right, so let's 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 talk there's a few things more because I want to talk about we got we got time so we're not rushing. I want to talk about traveling. Um, I, I know oftentimes you you do a lot of traveling because um, I, I get disgusted yes. when you actually leave. Um, and then, <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, so tell me, have you have you had to do any been able to do any traveling um, since this the the country opened up a little? Tell me what's going on with you from a traveling because I know you like to travel. Yes, yes, actually I had. The moment they said we were good, I waited two weeks just to see what was going on. I, I peeked out my window. All right, yeah, baby, come on, baby. I can't take this no more. I told my wife we we out of here, okay. and it just so happened it was around our anniversary. Our anniversary is in J uh, July, so we just came back from Cancun probably a week and a half ago. Okay, and it was it was it was really. It was cool. It, it wasn't crowded. And I can say they are thorough with the testing and the mask and the, everything over there. They're not playing with you. Okay. You can't get into a store. You can't walk around. They have police outside. Making sure you had a mask. Yes, you can't go into no convenience store, no McDonald's, no nothing. You want to go to the mall, they stop you at the at at the front, take your temperature, you good, they make you put your hand sanitizer on. And then like certain stores, they give you gloves to put on so they couldn't touch your stuff. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Someone said, what was the third item you thought you had, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody, everybody wanna know. Yeah, um, I, I thought it was you know you know smoking libations. You know, that's why I said I wanted to keep it there, buddy. I wanted yeah. to keep it PG. Yeah, but well, I, I, I did. If since, since, since we're gonna go there, scratch everything. <laughs> the three items that I need is the marijuana, the ganja. And the smoke. That's all I need. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I thought it was a blunt. Same yeah, thing. Yeah. Same thing. Oh, and same. I do have a card. My <laughs> have a medical card, so it's all legal. It is all legal. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> let's talk about. Let's talk about. So your your son is now um, also working in the shop. Yeah. Um, what is yeah. that like to have him work in the shop with you so close? Um, you know, what is that like working with, with, with him? He's, he's literally in a legacy period right now. What is that like for having him work with you? Man, the crazy thing is, I'm still in shock. I'm still in shock. It, it is a, it is a great feeling because myself growing up, my dad wasn't around, so. I know the feeling of not having no one to look up to or father figure and to have someone look at me like, like Superman, you know what I mean? Like I'm his Superman and he actually wanted, like I've 
didn't force him to do. This is what he wanted to do. And it's funny because when I first started, I started in the middle chair. And that's where he started at. And it wasn't until someone left the back chair that I moved to the back chair. And Shores, Shores is going, it happened the same way. So it's trending in the same the same way as I did. It's it's just it's I'm speechless. Yeah, yeah. Like for, it's, a, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Because like I was mentioning earlier, it's it's with the influence out here, man, our young boys are they our young men, they're just they're misguided. They're misguided. And I get to speak to them often. Some of them, they. How do they? Yeah, how do they take it? Right, the ones because you know I've, I've been there a couple of times, and because not not all young folks tend to you know because again, like you said, a barbershop is where you know we have some some very deep conversations. At the same time, we have some conversations where we just laughing and and joking on each other. I mean, it's definitely a safe place. How is it? How do you feel they receive it? I really, I really think. A lot of these kids don't want to be in the streets. It's some of them that do, but a lot of these kids don't. Because like me talking to them, it's it's the fact that I'm 37. So I'm not old to where though I don't know anything. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like right in the middle. So they actually they actually are very receptive to me. Like a lot of the young guys that's in the streets and do this, they're very receptive and they always, man, I'm big bro. It's funny because some of them call me unk now. I'm like, dang, I made it to unk. Jeez, I'm really, I'm getting old, man. I'm unk now. But it's cool. I'll be whatever they want to call me, except for dummy. These kids, they be using the word dummy, except for that, man. I can tell you, my first experience with that one was crazy. But yeah, but they're very receptive. And if you talk to them, if if you talk to them with respect, a lot of them will, will, will give you that same respect. And that's really what the biggest difference, like the biggest, uh, uh, what I say, discord between the police mm-hmm. and these young guys is the lack of respect on both ends. Uh, yeah, how how you engage with individuals? That's 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 definitely key, you know. It's the lack of respect on both ends, because like I I have police, you know, clients that come in and I talk to both because I know I I I have a big influence on these young guys because I am a young black man who actually lived in the area that they grew up in. Like I, the Alameda Shopping Center, the Northeast area, I grew up in this. So I grew up, I'm, I, I, I didn't leave the neighborhood. I, I'm a young business owner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I do things that they like to see. And it's in, I, they can talk to me. I'm like a real figure. It's like I'm not, you can get advice from me. You know what I mean? And they're receptive to it. It's just once they leave, they don't have no one else to follow up with them. You know what I mean? Right, right. <clears throat> so the barbershop is now what I was telling them. It's back to the same 
thing, same conversations that they're hearing from their friends that wants to be in the street. You know what I mean? They don't have the guy at home. But then you have some of the kids that just just want to be outside. And they are the ones that's influencing the ones that really don't want to be out there, but they don't have one anything to do or anywhere to go. Right. So do, do you find yourself trying to keep them in the shop a little longer than normal? Just to, you know, kind of see the difference because, you know, you know, we've, we've been in there. I've, I've, I've been in there again, just for folks to know that this is this is some real genuine stuff that happens in barbershops. You know, not of course, you had the movies, <laughs> you know, the ice cube barbershop. But to be quite honest, that's kind of some of the stuff that that happens in, in, in your shop. In the movie really depicts the, the, the day in the life of a barbershop. The, the barbershop one is really how barbershops are. Most barbershops are. You have the hustle man that comes in selling everything. <laughs> you have the barbershop owner. That, that, like, come on, man, cut all, cut all the riffraff out, man. You come on now. Yep, you have, yep. you have the young thugs that come in. You have the the school kids that are athletes that come in. It's, it, it's a real good ice cube did thing with that one. You yeah, really did yeah. a real good thing with it. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. What does a day and a life look like for a shop owner, Derek Crow. What does that day look like? You get up in the morning, tell me, walk us through the day, go. All right, first thing I do when I wake up, you know, I work out. So that's another one of the things I do. Uh, I do, uh, I'm, a, I'm a workout freak. Every, well, Monday through Friday, I'm, I'm up at 4, 4.15, 4.30. I'm in the gym by 5, 5 to 7. From seven, I come home. I relax. I eat. Eat my. I just started. I'm ready. I'm actually getting ready to start uh, the sea moss thing. Uh-huh. Eat the sea. Okay. I so, got a sea moss person for you. I got a sea moss person. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah, we talk about that. You know, after I work out, I relax, and then I go to the barbershop. You know, I try to get there first. So I can go in there. First thing I do, I wipe down everything, clean up, make sure everything's straight. And then just with me, I don't do appointments. So I'm just in there chilling until till the till the flow starts coming. And then once, you know, all the barbers come, then we turn the music on or the TV. And we just just start having fun. Like I'm all about enjoying life. If I have to be somewhere. And I'm not literally having fun. I don't want to be there. That's why I couldn't work at a job that I don't want to go to. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, who wants to get up? And when you sit down on the side of the bed, it's like, damn, I hate going here. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. No, that's real. That's, that's real. Like, real. So now okay. once you do that, once you get up, you you already going somewhere you don't want to go to. You're not going to give it 100%. So now it's like you're just lax through the day. Now your whole attitude's bad. And it rubs off. Like, Absolutely. it rubs off. Absolutely. So that's, and that's another thing with the 3D styles. All of our, we have a, a tight-knit family of barbers in there. So, like, if one is down, it's like you can't have a down day because Someone is going to crack a joke. Someone is going to do something 
to make you come out of this. Right, right. Okay. So don't so that's that's just like a day in life. Once I leave the barbershop, you know, I, I come home to the family, my wife, my kids, and my dogs. And uh, another thing I like to do is play the video game, Call of Duty. <laughs> that's my that's that is my pastime once I get home. All right, I'll remember. I'll keep that in mind. So, so we we are coming closer to the time again. I want to make sure that I get in the the, the number one question that I ask all my guests before they leave. And um, what does living a rich life mean to you? Living you a rich term. What does living a rich life mean? Living a rich life means to me, rich not in the form of money. Mm -hmm. okay. Rich in the form of waking up. First and foremost, thanking the Lord that he allows you to wake up another day. That's another thing I do. I, I just say thank you. I'm not, I just say thank you. I think of living a rich life is, is just doing what you, what you were passionate about, doing what you want to do, and just enjoying life, whether it's vacations, whether it's eating out, whether it's like doing your radio show, whatever it is that you want to do. I just say enjoy it because one thing I, this COVID let me know is nothing is guaranteed. The world can change just like that. Okay. Absolutely. Like that. Because no one, first, no one would have thought Donald Trump would have been a president. Second, <laughs> no one would have thought the world would shut down. Who would think that the world would the world. shut down? Don't leave your house. Man, reading watch contagion and outbreak. Yep, yep. Man, that's a fake. Shit, if it ain't, man, next thing you know, you can't go outside, you can't cough, you can't sleep. Man, <laughs> you can't even have a common cold right now. People right. walk around with bust a throat and lungs trying to hold Try not to cough. <laughs> trying not to cough. Someone <laughs> cough. You, you're looking at them crazy. Living a rich life to me means waking up every day and enjoying yourself no matter what it is that you enjoy doing. Because any given second, your time's up. Right. Exactly. That's well, well, well said. Well said, Derek. Question for you now. Any advice that you would like to give those young young men, young women? Um that you, you want to make sure that they're inspired to live a rich life, that um, you care to share. They might want to be an entrepreneur, whether it's a, a barbershop owner or anything, just again, to have that, that freedom that you currently um, are, are living as a business owner. Any, any advice you want to share with those folks? My first advice would be, don't ever give up on what it is you want to do. No matter what it is, don't let anyone tell you you can't get it done. Mm -hmm. Second, I would tell you, get over your fears of being a business owner or whatever it is that you want to do. Because that's one thing that stopped me from being a business owner earlier is because I was scared. I was scared to just jump out of there, be, jump out there because it's all on me now. Once, once I jump out here, it's all on me. And I was scared to fail. I don't, I didn't, the business been running for 15 years. 
I didn't want to take over and just fall to the ground. You know, I was scared. <laughs> the pressure, you gotta get, absolutely. You got to get over your own fears. Once you get over your own fears, anything is possible. Anything is possible. It's the it's a it's a great feeling. Like the day I signed the papers, because I don't mean to take up a lot of time, but no, no, you're good. Five like five years before I actually got the shot. I was trying to get the barbershop. I was going to different banks. I was going everywhere trying to get loans to get the barbershop. And everybody was denying me. And I would come home to my wife just saying, like, it's not going to happen for me. You know what I'm saying? And she just kept telling me, don't worry about it. You're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. Just keep praying, keep focusing, and it's going to work for me. I do know Frank and, you know, I, I was there, like I said, when you was uh, not the owner, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a nice sound to it, right? Um, but again, I, again, for those that's watching or maybe just tuning in, um, Derek is giving a homage and, and, and definitely recognizing those that gave him an opportunity, uh, Frank Wilson. I remember Frank, I haven't seen him in a, in, in a while, so hopefully he's doing well. Um, but again, we, we're talking extraordinary experiences where you're definitely going to have an extraordinary experience if you come when you start going to 3D style. So if you haven't been going there to get your hair cut, I encourage you to, to give it a shot because you definitely, if nothing else, you're going to have a good cut. You're going to come. If you don't laugh in there, your cut is on me. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you like that. That's how confident I am. Um, 100%. If you don't like your cut from any one of the barbers, that's, and that's another thing, one of my barbers. You can sit in any chair in there, and I guarantee 100% you will leave with a smile on your face. Yeah, yeah. If not, me, your next two haircuts to be on me. <laughs> now, folks are coming, you know, you're the, I, I don't like my haircut. <laughs> <laughs> now, you gotta be honest with it. You gotta be honest. Oh, can I get a quick shout out? I'm also friendly to you all, so if you need to. Anything with real estate, you can come see me as well. They're called with pen realities. Okay, so, so so let's 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 talk about that. We got a we got a few we got a few more minutes. So let's talk about that. So you have the shop, which which was a question. So I definitely would if I don't get this in my executive director, she'd probably get at me. So what are some of your other ventures that you have out there now, right? So I heard you mention you do realty. Uh, you're a realtor. Yes. yes. Um, uh, this is my second year going into real estate now. Now, I'm actually a licensed realtor. I actually own two properties already in the city. I started that when I was 20 as well, when I was young as well. But I actually just started getting serious 
say something Derek I'm gonna I'm gonna interject here I I will I have to co-sign on that right and because I, I feel that same way too it's something about seeing someone else smile and receive the joy that that I have so I I get I get really emotional I appreciate the fact when folks want to appreciate me and the energy right. I get right I I, I I have to say that you 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 definitely and this is no 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 booty kissing, whatever they call it these days, because I, I believe in supporting kings that are doing positive things. Since I've known you and, and our relationship has gotten stronger, I, I appreciate you, brother. You, like I said, you, you you funny. You ain't funny as me, but uh, <laughs> I think definitely when it comes to the, the level. <laughs> definitely sincere. Um, and it is that thing of, you know, folks, seeing folks win, because I like to say everyone can win. Here to share the information. Hey, look, man, they got cheap houses over here. Hey, bro, they got cheap houses over here. They got cheap. Man, they selling the new joints over here for half price. Come on, bro, Rich. They got the shoes over here, man. Come on. I know you like the shoes. Yeah, yeah. Why, yeah. why would, would Uber doesn't complain about Lyft? You don't see McDonald's complaining about Burger King. None of that. It's enough for everybody to eat out here. And if we help each other, It'll be every it, it's it'll be much easier. Life will be so much easier instead of competing, especially the black race. We compete with each other so much. It's it's crazy. Just to think about this. Think about when you were a kid and you used to see a guy like with some new sneakers on. Yo, where you get them sneakers from? He would say, Ah, I bet you want to know. Thanks. Why why can't I have the sneakers? Right. They stop making the sneakers when you when you when they made yours. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I could talk a dog or off a meat wagon. Sound like we at the shop now, but you know, I got I gotta keep it moving. I want to uh, thank you again for joining, taking the time. I want to thank, thank you for the fabulous cut that uh, we aired today. So now they can see where I, they now know where I get. See the line straight too, man. The camera don't lie. Your camera don't lie. Camera don't lie. It might end a couple of pounds on me. But uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk, Derek, because we're gonna get that bowling thing going on. 
And, um, you know, again, we, we've been out together. But we haven't been out together, but we've seen each other out. Always love. I always Uh-oh. appreciate that. And um, you, you just keep keep it up, King. You keep it up. And, I, and I'll see you again soon. appreciate you having me on the show, brother. All right. No doubt. Until Stay next bro. time. So there you have it, folks. You have Derek Cole, um, entrepreneur. And we say entrepreneur because we just heard he's also a realtor. He has a shop, 3D Styles, 5900 York Road. Um, so by all means, be seen. Until next time. Thanks a lot, Derek. I'll talk to you soon. Stay blessed, man. Ah, I love it. There's nothing like living a rich life. Nothing like living a rich life. Um, So we're going to keep it going. Our featured guest, um, I got to say, this featured guest, he is is definitely a of a different color or whatever the saying is. Um, It's about God, family, and hotel tourism and hospitality. He is an ambassador and activist for the community. Um, when I when I met him, I knew I wanted to have him on the show, and we finally arranged for it to happen. Please welcome um, the one and only, the hospitality guru, as I like to call him, Mr. Juan Webster. <laughs> Rich, my man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. First and foremost, how are you doing, sir? Man, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling great. I'm I'm weathering the storm down here in Fells Point. Looks like a pretty aggressive thunderstorm brewing over us though but i'm doing well man been a great day all right that's that's what i like to hear that's what i like to hear yeah this this weather i i knew it was coming but uh i was like i'm not worried i'll be inside sure yeah there you go <laughs> so so first and foremost Juan, we you know folks usually like to know um where where you're from and just tell us a little bit what that childhood was like coming from where you did nah happy to do that i am from a uh, a small rural town in north carolina man literally from a dirt road uh, <laughs> called called Madison, North Carolina, 20, 30 minutes north of Greensboro, about about the same distance, 20, 30 minutes east of Winston-Salem, and just south of the Virginia border, uh, Rockingham County. But it's it's literally as country as you can imagine it. Uh, you know, when when it rained, it was it was mud, rud, it was filled with potholes. So literally when I <laughs> When I tell people I came from the mud, I come out the dirt, that is a true story. Uh, that's still my grandparents' home to this day. Uh, uh-huh. in, the, in the Goodwill community where I was rooted and grounded. And I will say, you asked what it's like growing up there. Uh, it's family oriented. Um, everyone kind of knows each other. You know, that's what happens in a small town. Right. Uh, we didn't grow up with a lot. There wasn't a lot to offer, but one thing's for sure, and I still pride myself on this, that community shaped me, my upbringing shaped me. And one thing I never lacked was love. And, okay. and what I can say about the place where I came from and my family, uh, large family, they know how to love uh, through and through. And I think that's what made a lot of us successful, even those of us that had moved on from that neighborhood, from that community back in the day, but literally like single wide uh, trailer, <laughs> with an extension, grew up with a household of people, didn't have my own room, so I was probably 14, oh, that type of but, but none of that mattered to me because I was always loved. Uh, I grew up with my grandparents, my grandmother raised me, my parents lived not too far away. So uh, it, it's a special place that I love to visit every chance I get, and it'll always be remembered. Okay, all right. Well, that sounds like, so again, we have Juan, 
Um, this episode is dealing strictly with extraordinary experiences. <coughs> Excuse me, I tell you, I'm going to drink some more water. But um, one of the things, uh, that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So your website tells your interest in hospitality originated from entertainment. Can you tell us more about that and how, how that happened? Yeah, I'd love to, man. Like, you know, there's a couple of stories about interest in hospitality. I, I was born in the hospitality under my grandmother's care. But in terms of interest, you know, I started off doing party promotions, like like a lot of people. And I was actually doing that in high school, hosting parties, hosting parties at the local rec centers and the uh, Virginia Dare Community Centers. And even at my grandparents' house, there was once a time, literally in high school, where I had the radio station come to my grandma's house and we DJed a whole backyard party. So okay. I've been I've been hosting people and and uh, working with people and having a love for for working the crowds for a long time. That translated. So I, I did promotions in college and even after college with working with a couple of different groups. I had my own promotion entertainment company and then I was able to partner with a a, a good friend in Heights Entertainment to do some bigger stuff. So yeah, that that's why I say entertainment because it, it's all about the host. Like I, I never could rap, never really could dance, <laughs> but, but I can host. I can okay. host. <laughs> so you know, anytime when you're getting people together, you want to see people have a good time. You want to bring them together. You want to keep them safe. That's hospitality. Right. And even at that time, you know, I, I was trying to find a way to get paid for it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 thus now here I am years later. I'm hosting people, I'm entertaining people, I'm making them feel comfortable, uh, making all the right moves to create an experience. And luckily, I'm blessed to get paid for it as a career. Right. And and I will say when it comes to hospitality, um, I think it again, because we've been at quite a few events in passing. And I think our very first event where we actually engaged with each other was finally was uh, philanthropic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that was the, actually the first time we really started to engage and have some conversation. And I knew I said that that's a brother that I need to have in my Rolodex and um, just get to know because he kind of just you have this, this this energy about you. And, and I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you. So let's let's talk about, you know, because anytime it comes to hospitality, um, entertainment, things of that sure. nature, uh, there's always some challenges. Sure. <laughs> um, so what challenges did you face? Um, as a young man that you had to overcome to realize your hospitality is kind of industry dreams, right? Because there's always challenges, but what did you have to overcome to kind of say, hey, I, I have arrived? Because in my opinion, I think you yeah. have I, I think, you know, there's always those those times and moments. I can look back on my career when I probably thought I was ready. I probably was ready, but the challenges were no one else thought I was ready. Uh. And I think I think at the time, you know, I look at it a lot. When you go into any career, they want to see that you have certain level of experience or a certain background. And, um, you know, and, and I didn't come from those backgrounds, but, you know, I, I even, you know, I, I, I was willing to put in the time, the grit and the effort. And I felt like that I deserve it just as much as anyone else. So I think overcoming those obstacles of being passed over for, mm -hmm. for positions and promotions. And even when I thought I was ready, I look back on all those rejection letters or dismissals or the unanswered phone calls, even to the folks that, um, you know, where I, where I had an opportunity and I decided to go in another direction. But 
now it, it's interesting to look back because it's important not to build those burn those bridges that I'm able to to humbly say, you know, I'm glad it worked out that way. I, I wouldn't really change anything about those experiences because what happens is when you get that door slammed, you're going to go back and grind harder. You're going to go back and and I've been determined if I didn't get an opportunity, I want to make sure without a doubt, especially if I almost got the opportunity, mm-hmm. I, I made sure I went back and worked hard in the lab and prepared myself and got whatever experience I needed so that there was no way I could be denied of another opportunity or promotion. I didn't want it to be, or I want him to have that opportunity because he's a black man or he's a brother or, you know, he's young or he has this. I want them, I want to be able to check all the boxes. Right. He's qualified. He has a proven record. He's effective. He's knowledgeable and not to be handed anything. I wanted everything to really be earned. And yeah. I think those, those are the things that I've had to overcome. Uh, to 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 say you said I I have arrived. In order to arrive, you have to go through those struggles and challenges. And sometimes it's it, it's about being humble, uh, but also whatever encourages you to stay motivated. No nobody wants to be. I, I never want to feel like there's something I can't do. So if I need to work harder or or try another angle, I'm, I'm I was willing to do that. Okay, all right. Someone asked the question: Are there any resources or people that have really helped you on your journey? Oh man, that 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 list is endless. But I will say specifically in hospitality, um, I, I've been fortunate to be introduced to an organization called NSMH. That's the National Society of Minorities in Hospitality. Prior to me uh, going to North Carolina Central University, I never even knew that you could have a career in hotels, restaurants, and tourism. And I mean, I've seen people, but mm-hmm. in terms of career, I didn't think about it. Right. So there's a, a professor, a dean, an executive named Dr. Beverly Bryant, who's near and dear to me, that really gave me that opportunity to kind of introduce me to that organization. And once I found that organization, um, I was able to be exposed to various opportunities for, for minorities and advancement for minorities in hospitality. So if that was going to different conferences and seminars and uh, attending certain events to see people that look like me or to understand the the various levels of the industry uh, from not just hotels and restaurants, but casinos and cruise ships and theme parks and amusement parks, all things that impact tourism that, you, again, you don't think about naturally. And if you hadn't been exposed to it, the only hotel experiences I had growing up were like at a motel if we were at a family reunion. So it was never really looked at that was that one vacation we all had growing up in the South was the family reunion. So reunion. had a lot of hotel exposure. Uh, and, and even, you know, there was a time when my mom actually worked uh, at a hotel. Uh, I, I always talk about the story and as a night auditor. And, and, and she, even looking back at that, she didn't even go in that career. But looking back on how hospitality was shaped. But there's so many people, including my family. But definitely a big shout out to NSMH. That's an organization that I still support. Um, I still go to the annual conference to recruit um, young minorities, and and I sit on panels to talk about careers and opportunities in our industry. I specifically seek out young black males to try to mentor and and you know share share my story, so to to give them an opportunity to learn and engage, and at least if nothing else, you have the option to choose hospitality as a career. 
So yeah, Dr. Beverly Bryant at North Carolina Central University, um, the National Society of Minorities and Hospitality. You should check that one out. And uh, my, my family, friends, and, and, and my wife. My wife, I gotta give a shout out because she she knows more than anybody. She's seen the ups and downs. She's had to look at me and say, I don't even know why you're crazy enough to take that position because it may seem like a step backwards, but I was determined to get the experience, but she's still right by me. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's the support that has pushed me along the way. And I always go back to my grandparents being raised around older people who who encouraged me. Like at, at one point, I thought I was going to have a career in, in nursing or, or, or that medical field in a sense or business. But how I landed in hospitality, man, it's just a blessing to be able to have my passion, purpose, and career all aligned right, and, and right. set up that way. So it, it, we it's love all it. good. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So again, those watching and listening, we have Ron Webster. I call him a hospitality guru. Um, <laughs> he's, he's definitely a, a good man to know. Um, and when it comes to just hospitality, this guy will point you in the right direction. Let's talk about that because you mentioned your wife. Let's talk about your nonprofit organization if, if we can. Um, sure. The meaning of um, LACC. Yep. Um, tell us, tell us about that organization. Yeah, it, it's um, the Lack Foundation. Loving is Christ commands. Me and my wife, um, we we came to Baltimore in 2012, okay. and how we founded this organization, it really I was I was. Um, it was my birthday back December 2012. I was looking for an opportunity to serve. I wanted to get all my friends together and do something different. At that point, we we had done enough parties in our lifetime, and we we're trying to trying to change the narrative, change the direction, right? Right, and right. So I, I, I've always been good about getting people together, so I wanted to get the people together was no problem. But having a cause to support is what we were looking for, and and that cause at the I'm sorry at the, that cause at the time was. Um, I wanted to uh, find a way to impact the homeless. Because as I was driving in the city, uh, a few days, a few weeks before my birthday, I would, I would see homeless people on the street. And I grew up in a place where I didn't really see homeless people at all. If they were homeless, somebody in my family would let them sleep on the couch and feed them. So you never even knew they were homeless. Right, but right. I saw that and you know, I was talking to my wife about something to do. So we called, like we spent like a week calling various shelters and outreach missions to try to see, could we bring a, a small group in to volunteer? And literally that particular week, for whatever reason, everybody was like, no, we're full. We don't have any opportunities to volunteer. And I was like, well, that's crazy because I, I drove in to Baltimore City this morning. I see people laying on the street. How right. is it that we can't? So I, at that point, we decided to take it into our own hands. We literally like took my daughter at the time because my son wasn't born. We loaded up our SUV, went to Sam's Club, bought a bunch of stuff. Uh, came back home, prepared it, and and the next day we were ready to to do these carryout trays. And um, I I called a few people that I met at the hotel to to get them to show me around the city. At that right. point, I didn't even know where to go because I was still new. New. And so got a few people. They loaded up the SUV. It was probably like six of us, and then another car followed us. My wife has always wanted to do something in in the area of uh, cooking and serving the less fortunate. So that brainchild was born. It's really her idea. We enhanced it, and together it was birthed. And from that one outreach we did as a family and a few friends, the summer first, two thousand and twelve, lack just took off. We thought we would do it every now and then. We turned out to do it every single month. 
we started feeding like 30 people and then we went to 100 or 200 people and then we were able to partner with several different organizations throughout Baltimore City and then LAC just grew and our family and our friends and our college friends they knew about it they, they when they came to Baltimore they would try to work their business around a serve or something that they would support and right. then we got active in Atlanta and Charlotte and then Raleigh Durham and it just grew and it, it was really based off just of the principles of love you right. know get, getting like-minded people together and impacting uh, people in need and impacting strangers. But what I found most um, most interesting is that the more we went out and served the community, uh, the people that we were taking the resources to, yes, they were being impacted, but the volunteers really felt the impact. So I was able to take people from corporate America and show them this side of the streets that they never even never thought seen. about and they never seen. And it's a humbling experience. And I take that back into the workplace on Monday morning and it became the fireside chat. Even to having our kids involved, uh, I found out through a PTA meeting that our daughter on Monday mornings, some of her colleagues would want to gather around so they, she could tell them about the experience she had with feeding the homeless for the weekend. Then that turned into getting her classmates and the Girl Scouts troops coming out to volunteer. And then, you know, it, it just grew. We were able to meet some great people. and We still do. Fast forwarding, we, we got involved with I-5 City which is our church, the community we really belong to. And um, over the last few years, we've really submitted lack in terms of what, what we do in Baltimore and worked direct side um, I-5 City in partnership mm-hmm. to go out and impact the home. So my wife and I at, at one point have been leaders in the church to in I-5 City to showcase and, and show what we've learned with black and be partners and then go out and serve more people. That's about what I liked about that is it never matters who, who gets the credit. It matters that we're able to serve a population in need and show our love and support throughout. So, you know, lack is uh, something that's special to us that, you know, we, we still don't get to spend enough time with as we would like, but it, it's something that, that uh, has also helped us navigate our way around Baltimore and the region. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. I love that. Again, I hope folks is taking heed on that. And and how can folks, if they wanted to volunteer or be a part of Black or participate in any form or fashion, how how do how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, well, they can they can contact me. Um, Black's Instagram is feeding in the moment. They can contact me on social media. Uh, Juan from Madison on IG, and then Lack's website, uh, LackFoundation.org. So um, we we can uh, you can get through all channels. Uh, we'll keep you posted, and then you'll see some of the the work we do in Baltimore City is is through I Five City, and you can follow I Five City. Who this past weekend, for example, we were able to partner with them and support and and go out and volunteer to distribute over a hundred thousand pounds of food. Uh, so we 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 pulled up. Uh, to the church, they loaded the truck up, gave us like five or six addresses, and we went out all throughout the city. And it was like a a, a full-on, um, you know, distribution center for people to come and volunteer, people to get mm-hmm. served, and it all worked beautifully. So yeah, that's there, another another resource to find out where and when we're we're serving the homeless community through I Five City. Okay, yeah, I, I do want to take this time to say there's a lot of you know, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of folks on the show, um, a lot of folks doing a lot of these different programs, which are, are always, always good. And I think, yeah. um, you know, in terms of like next, I, I envision, you know, some form of fashion, what that would look like as a collective, right? I, I know yeah. 
you know, what that could look like. It, and, and maybe I'll put that on my my, my goal list and, and have a conversation with my team to, to kind of pull all of those resources. Because I can just imagine, you know, hopefully post-COVID what that looks like. But I can only imagine to have organizations like like Black, you know, organizations like, again, Jason Bass and Revival Baltimore, those guys that, you know, he was a close guest, and that's why I mentioned. There's a lot of different other programs that's yeah. you know, doing wonderful things. All right. So just, to, just something to think. About. I agree. I agree. I, I think that there's, there's power in that collective, and uh, we, we you can serve more, and it, there, there's room for it. Put it absolutely. that way. There, there's room for it. Ab ab absolutely, absolutely. Let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about this quarantine. How has that impacted um, the hospitality industry? Ah oh, man, I, we we may have easily taken one of the biggest hits, and I say that because you know, uh, hospitality makes up a large majority of the jobs that are offered in this region. You know, mm -hmm. hotels, restaurants, the casinos, the cruise lines that are out there. You think about how many jobs are impacted. And then when people can't travel, that means people can't work. Right. Uh, and then when, when people can't host events or weddings that people have been planning for years because of the restrictions, yeah, people can't go into a restaurant and eat. Yeah, we we are we are really struggling as a as an industry, and I think that you know it, it's a reminder that this COVID nineteen thing is very real, and it's so real that it's this displaced so many jobs, like the unemployment level, um, and 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 just the status. Like some of us are fortunate enough to keep our businesses open. But we're definitely not at the capacity that we once were. Even year over year, we're not at that capacity. So it's a huge adjustment. It, and, and I think, talk about how we're impacted. We've had to do more with less. Uh, by, and unfortunately, being, being in a position where jobs have been eliminated or furloughed or, or laid off. And what that leaves us is, you know, uh, just a few people to get the job done. So we've really taken on this innkeepers mentality it's like the older days in hospitality where if you ride through uh if you drive through fells point you might see me on a golf cart or you might see me taking drinks to the pool or you might see me checking the guests in really whatever it takes and the good news is I've, I've been able to come from that background so i don't mind it in fact it's a great refresher but my point in bringing it up is things have shifted People right. have to get in and do whatever they have to do to make their businesses work. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, pause for the cause, you know, we, we hope that we can figure something out to get people back gainfully employed again or get them the resources they need to take care of their families. Right. Okay. That's all fair, for fair arguments. Uh, question here. So question came in, if you could have one human talent that you don't currently have, what would it be and why? That's interesting. <laughs> one human uh, talent. I, I, uh, I would say uh, playing a musical instrument. Oh, what, yeah. what, what instrument and why? I don't know. Right? Like, I, I, like a lot of my family, close friends and cousins, all of them are musically inclined and gifted. And I've never been there. I've been the one that's been around. I'm the hype man. So I can okay with that when, and, and I can entertain, but when it comes time to switch, if I had to fill in, I can't fill in on the keys. 
I can't feel it on the drum, and I definitely can't feel it if it's time to sing on the mic. So I, I would say one of those musical talents because I think music is is fun for the soul, and and, and it's always a way to to level things out. So I, I would choose something like that as a as a human talent that I don't have. <laughs> okay, an, an instrument. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Oh goodness. Um. So so uh, one of the things we talked about um, events that's kind of happening and things that what events are on your bucket list after we are fully cleared to travel are you a traveler do you like to travel love to travel love to travel i mean naturally being in the hospitality industry that's one of the biggest benefits that you could get to go see and explore all these cool places usually at a really good price because they take care of the the folks that are in the industry that's one of the perks you never <laughs> get to enjoy it locally but your family and friends always take take advantage of that but you know, I, I think we've had some trips on the books. You know, we were literally scheduled to go to Puerto Rico for our kids' spring break. Uh, that was back in April. So we 86 that. So I, I'd love to fulfill that commitment because that's a place we haven't been. I was scheduled to uh, return to Africa again this year, next month in August for a missions trip that I went on with I-5. I went there last year for the first time. Uh, went to Kenya uh, and then spent some time in Ethiopia as well. So those places this year, I wanted to touch South Africa while I was on the continent and uh, and, and perhaps uh, Ghana, some some places that are that are on the list. But there's so many places I want to go in African con countries and European countries. But there's places that I, I, I will say this, that I, I've seen just within the states that are beautiful places that you through COVID, you have to learn where you can drive to still be safe. And get creative, <laughs> you know. So it it don't take a whole lot, but I I got some things on the list that I'd like to see, and for the family to do as well. Yeah. Do you? I, I'm just wondering. Uh, you know, I try to look and see in terms of the news and what's happening. I think Maryland, for the most part, has done real well when it comes to the, the you know, how it's handled in the cases. I think Governor Hogan has done really well. Um, let's see, this is is that better? That's better. Um, how, how, how do you think, do you think you'll be able to actually travel in, in, in August? Given the, I, I, looking at the trends now, like August is just next month. Yeah. I think it's highly unlikely that we'll be able to travel next month. So uh, I think we've probably ruled out any travel, especially when I say travel, I mean, uh, by plane or, or, um, somewhere on an extended trip. I don't think so. I, I think it will be limited to uh places that you probably can drive to uh, and then even then not too far but from the trends that i see i just don't see people up and traveling um all of a sudden or extending that because the summer will soon come to an end but i think it'll be a very interesting summer yeah i'm trying to figure this thing out myself just just don't know just yeah. just don't know it's tough man as fluid as it is it's something that we 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 have control of in the sense that we i think we can flatten the curve but there's still so many unknowns that that uh, the experts are trying to figure out. And I think um, traveling may not be the thing while we're figuring it out unless you can get to, I said, like a, a staycation or somewhere local to make it make sense. Gotcha. Question, <clears throat> what is your favorite task to perform in your industry and why does it bring you joy? Favorite task in the industry. I really like hanging out in the lobby i'll tell you why as simple as that is 
when when you get to a, a GM level, there's a lot of requirements that that would call you away from spending time with the guests. Naturally, so I mean, you're doing reports, you're responsible for the financials, you are watching the overall operation, you're driving sales, you're supporting the team. Sometimes when you get caught into that day to day, you forget the um, you don't get as much human interaction. You don't get to go out and see what's going on with the guests who just checks in. So in, in my my best moment, what I would love to do is be we used to call it a lobby lizard back in the day because <laughs> the lizard just rolls around. And so you could be in the lobby. And what you do is you're able to anticipate the guest needs. At the same time, you can pick up on what went well with their stay, what opportunities you have to improve. And then you can even take it up a notch and find out, oh, maybe it's this person's birthday. So you share that with the staff. And by the time they get to their next destination, whether that's a room or the pool, you have a nice surprise and delight. And they didn't even pay attention. I like doing stuff like that because that's the core and the culture of the industry, especially with, with where I am right now. And um, I think being in the lobby or in the front drive so you can be the person. I like welcoming people because it, it feels like you're welcoming them to your home. The Sagamore Fringe Baltimore is like welcome to my house. So either they drive up or they are in the lobby. I get to engage and I might find someone from North Carolina. And, you know, us, us country folks, man, it don't take us long to make that connection. Man. <laughs> or I find somebody who went to Carolina or went to North Carolina Central or, uh, you know, whatever connection is there. And we may have the same, the same favorite sports teams and you can strike up conversations. But those conversations happen not always over the phone. But you can see it. You may see somebody with with a nice outfit on or something that you wanted to get. Strike up a conversation. So that keeps me humble in, in that sense. And uh, I think that when when you look at that, I, if I had a choice, I would prefer to spend a little bit of time in those areas each day. Right. Okay. What's your best HBCU memory? Oh, man, that's that's a tough one to say your best. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked about I talked about. Um, NSMH as an organization who, who really gave me an opportunity to learn more about hospitality, but I'm going to go to the, you know, as, as cheesy and cliche as it is, it's homecoming. Like homecoming. what, what's not to love about a homecoming. And even before I went to college, I did learn homecoming and my, I had some family that would take me to homecoming. The thing about homecoming, you don't even have to belong to the school. You could be, <laughs> you could be alumni. Most supporters are alumni, but you have, family, friends, cousins, or people who heard about it, and they start to make it an annual event, mm -hmm. like the CIAA. Like, but like a homecoming is, is always a favorite because that's the catch-up time. Me me and my friends, me and my brothers, we catch up, and if, if we'll make plans around, you're going to homecoming this year, or we'll make a plan to get together at homecoming. And, and that homecoming has evolved to homecoming as a single person, homecoming as a married person, homecoming as a family. And and it, it's it's celebrated on so many different levels. So I would say favorite um, HBCU moment it will be homecoming. That HBCU homecoming is different than any other homecoming. I think most people would agree. Yeah, I I, I agree. I am a Morgan State University. Okay. Uh, alumni and, and homecoming. Yes, there's not gonna be any homecomings this year. I know. You know. <laughs> How you feel about that? Thing. It's tough. You know, but it might be time for a reset. It, it it might it might make next year's homecoming that more that much more important and impactful. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you'll make sure it's an extraordinary experience. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. 
So you, you mentioned your children, you mentioned your, your wife. So based on your personal experience as a father, what's the most important lesson to teach you know, a child today in your opinion? I think um, humility is, is up there at, at the highest. Um, when, when you think about what kids can learn, I, I think there's a, a level of entitlement that comes if you're not careful by exposing them to too much and just not getting caught up in them having what we didn't have as kids. So I, I think the humility is at the top. I think trust is really important because that, that trust and integrity go hand in hand. And last but certainly not least, uh, it's the principle that we live our lives out is this kindness. So, so you know, humility, 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 trust, and kindness. I think kindness being... I, I want our kids to know how to treat people. I want our kids to know how to um, behave and how to treat strangers and how to act when no one's looking. I think those are things that uh, will allow them to seek success internally, externally, personally, and professionally. And it should carry them a long way. I think they'll they'll pick up skills. They'll they'll pick up things. And, oh, I know they're watching us, mm. but I think those are the things we want to really instill as as principles. Okay. Facts. That, that yep. is definitely facts. So one of the things I like to ask my guests, um, it's a standard question, and that is, what does living a rich life mean to you? <laughs> you know what? It's funny you say that. I, I think I, I equate that because I, I talk all the time about what does luxury mean? And, and this is very similar to me. I think living a rich life is, is not about what you have in terms of uh, materialistic items. I think living a rich life is how you make people feel. And I think you can be rich uh, with, with not just in the financial state, but I think you can be rich in wisdom. I think you can be rich in kindness. I think you can be rich in, in the abundance in many other areas and allowing those areas to impact the world, to change humanity. So my, my, feedback of living a rich life is uh, doing right by people, uh, ma making, giving people your absolute best, making a difference and um, being humble in that pursuit, being relentless in that pursuit. I think that's, that's where the real richness come from. Doesn't matter what you drive or what outfit you have on. It, it matters that you know how to relate to people, connect with people, have genuine, real conversations and embrace people uh relationships relationships are are key through that so that that would be my feedback on living a rich life that's how i plan to live a rich life and, <laughs> and if the if the money flows and the blessings come that's just added incentives on top of it i know that's right i, I agree well said juan well said again we have juan webster <clears throat> hospitality guru extraordinaire general manager of the sagamore pentry hotel um, and also, I guess, co-founder of LAC, right? That's You're right. right. Yep. Yes. So yep. we're going to make sure. How can folks, um, again, get in contact with you if they want to have if they have questions, um, be engaged, support yep. whatever you're doing? Can you share that information? Yeah. So LAC, you started with is uh, LACFoundation.org. Um, you have another opportunity through uh, social media whether it's Facebook or Instagram. I'm transparent, so my name is my name. On Instagram, it is Juan from Madison. I talked about Madison, given my hometown. 
a shout out uh, <laughs> in the very beginning. I've met some people in Baltimore that thought I was from Madison Avenue or thought I was from some part of Baltimore or <laughs> Madison. And I didn't even know that until after the fact, but I just went with it because it's all good. I feel the love for Baltimore. Right. Uh, you can't find me at, on the professional platform, LinkedIn, uh, Juan Webster as well. I, I do. I have a professional platform and, and talk about business and work-related items. The the transparency and the crossover and all of that is, you know, a lot of them blend into each other. I'm usually, I am who I am in, in, in most of those lanes and that doesn't change. But at the end of the day, if I'm not with my family, if I'm not serving the community, you really can find me at 1715 Thames Street. That's the Sagamore Pretty <laughs> Baltimore. But, and you know that because that's the last place we met, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on, on the humble. I said, you know what? Now is the time to catch this cat. <laughs> Normally he's in a suit yep. and it's easy to point out. But right. um, I guess he was doing some extra stuff. And I said, hey, I had some friends. I was showing them it was their first time there. Um, they had a blast and um, it just really worked out. So um, they, they, they definitely will be back. Well, Juan, I, I want to thank you for joining. Um, I really appreciate your time. Again, for those watching, I'm going to send you the link um, so that you can hear again uh, and see it actually what everyone else sees on BeExposedRadio.com. I look forward to seeing you again soon. And um, again, thank you for tuning in, those watching. I thank you for, for joining us. And uh, you just keep shining, King. Keep shining. Hey, brother, thank you for the support. Thank you for the platform. And thank you for the opportunity, man. God bless you, man. We're here. When you need us, we'll connect soon. Ah, definitely, definitely. Okay. So there you have it. Uh, another episode of Living a Rich Life. Um, thank you to my special guest, Derek Cole, uh, 3D Styles. Thank you to my featured guest, Juan Webster, general manager of Sagamore Pentry. Um, I had two kings on today, next week. No telling who I'll have on, but just to say they will be kings and queens in their own right. And we're gonna just keep on living a rich life. Once again, I am your host, Rich James. Until next week, I want you to be inspired to live a rich life. Thank you for watching. Have a good night. My man.